Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, folks. 2020 has, to put it mildly, presented some challenges for all of us. You know, the good news, our patrons' numbers are still growing, almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know, I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tack box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead. They literally keep the MP3s rolling. Meanwhile, the patrons-only After Dark Facebook Live and Zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success. Conversation, support, laughter, some education, some mentorship, lots of encouragement, and even, randomly, the occasional adult beverage. So click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have one of my favorite returning guests today. Dale Martinson is back with us. This is Dale on, as they say, and we are going to talk about housing and kennel plans for our dogs and how we house our dogs and what that looks like. Everybody sort of has a Jones for a great facility for their dogs, and sometimes they don't really know what that looks like. So Dale and I are going to talk about what does that look like. So welcome back, Dale. Hey, Laura. Good to be back. I saw a really cute picture of your kennel runs this week. And I said, I've got to talk to Dale about this. I've had multiple listener requests. So here you go, listeners. Here's how we make a beautiful kennel building. <laughs> well, I think in order to enjoy your animals to their fullest and everybody to have a good quality of life, you have to have the proper facilities. That is one of the most important things is having the right facilities for your dogs that you're going to be keeping, showing, raising, you know, whatever. It's got to be the right kind of facility. And we were talking a little bit earlier, so let's start with this. And so many people, maybe they don't have the money or they don't have the time or they don't have the space or whatever, and they do sort of a dog room, like they change out the garage or they fix up a spare bedroom or they do something like that versus having a separate building. So talk a little bit about that and your thoughts. Absolutely. A dog room is a good gateway into getting a kennel going. Right. It's a good gateway step into getting your kennel going that you can start to do. The first rule of having your dog room is ventilation. Yes. You do not want to have common shared air with your kennel and your home. 
because they are animals after all. And no matter how clean you keep it, it doesn't smell as good as it probably, you know, I mean, because you have animals, it's going to smell like you have animals. Yeah. And so in order so that doesn't get recirculated into your home, a separate air system is absolutely a necessity, whether that be window unit or however you want to do it, plan to have your ventilation and exhaust fans because ventilation is the key to good canine health. And it also makes a nice place for you to work in and spend time. a dehumidifier. All of those things will really help a lot because humidity level with animals being kept indoors is something you really have to keep an eye on. Right. Absolutely. And so much is regional. So there in South Texas, you're going to have different situation than I would have in very low humidity, high elevation Southern Oregon, but there's still some basic. So you have to know your locale, what your challenges are. You have to know what you can do with your zoning, what can be allowed with that. Yes, that was actually one of the things I wanted to touch on. Local laws, what are the restrictions on dog numbers, kennel permits, all of that. That's super important. And we've talked about this in other podcasts, but it's really critical whether you have a dog room or particularly as you add a separate building, that that's really critical to get that nailed down, know what the laws are and adhere to them. Go to the county planning, go to the county animal control, go wherever you need to go to find that out. A hundred percent, because part of being a responsible, you know, I mean, I think that as breeders, we want to be responsible breeders working towards being a preservation breeder. Right. Because I think that having a safe and enjoyable experience in having our dogs and being able to keep them in a healthy manner. And I find that most authorities and most people in that position, they're not really opposed to it. They, they come across some bad situations where people are trying to keep, because maybe they feel peer pressure, maybe they don't want to do the extra work. Keeping too many animals in your home, crated up in a utility room, is not a desirable way of keeping your dogs. And it's not going to be looked upon well. So say if we're going to do our dog room, I think one of the first things is what's going to be our access to exercising? Right. You know, like where you are, I would imagine you might need a covered exercise area with maybe rain or that type of thing. So you really kind of want to think about where am I going to exercise these dogs? What's the easiest way I can put them out? An exterior door on your dog room is really a wonderful. It is the most amazing thing. I've had several iterations here on this piece of property. And the first iteration was put in a man door from the back of the garage that became the dog room and it ran out into a fenced yard. So I automatically, I safety fencing, all of that. And then we just kept expanding that so that then that went to the big fenced paddocks and, you know, we could get them out to the covered runs and all of that. And God, that outside door made all the difference in the world. The more efficiently you have your setup to take care of your dogs, the more time you'll have for your dogs. Because there is nothing worse than a labor-intensive kennel. Because yes. in my eye, there's three different kinds of kennel. You have a boarding kennel, which you're keeping house pets that are never going to actually get into a routine. You're not going to have them long enough. Right. And then you have a handler's kennel, where these are dogs that are not going to be having puppies. And maybe a finite number. But when you're talking about breeding kennel where you're going to have intact animals, where they are going to be procreating, 
that you're going to be having bitches in heat, whether you do or don't want them bred, or you're going to be having puppies that you can do some separating out, where you're going to have maybe an isolation area, like if you're yes. going to a show that you want to keep it quarantined away. All of these come into play as to how you want to do it and set it up. And I think it was something that's really important that we want to touch on is to have our emergency evacuation of this dog room. Yes. What does that look like? If there's a problem, how do we get these dogs to safety quickly? Yep. And what is our plan for safety? Do we have crates set aside? Do we have separate smoke alarms? Do you have cameras, fire extinguishers? All of these things which are really key to keep something unfortunate going into something really bad. You know, I think that is so, so critical. And I'm really glad you brought it up because I didn't have it on my list of notes. And I have a friend who is the county emergency manager in this area. And she and I and my partner and all the people on the property, we sat down at one point and said, okay, so here's what's going to happen. These dogs are going to go in this vehicle with this person, these dogs, and this is the plan. And we live in a very, very, very high fire danger area. Wildfires are a huge concern. And just because of the way the property is situated, we only have one way out. And so if somebody pitches a cigarette butt on the side of the road, we are minutes from in a real serious problem. And so having that, having that plan and you run through it in your head, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. The leashes are always here. The crates are always here. This is how we do this. And it really makes a big difference. Well, like we had a brownout. It's on my Facebook. We had a brownout the other night. And we were within one hour of starting our emergency generators. Mm -hmm. We knew how long we had. We do this periodically. We have it set up where we know what we need to do, you know, because we have temperatures in this. Mm -hmm. They'll go over 100 degrees. Oh, yeah. And that's not an option for our dogs. So we have to part of our emergency plan that we have. But with your kennel, we do central air, but we also do supplementary window unit air mm -hmm. just so that should we lose power, we can run our generators that will go ahead and do the window units. Do the window units. Oh, interesting. Good, good idea. So we have a backup plan. It's mm -hmm. the plan B. We even, our property, we're kind of fortunate we have city water, but we also have a well. Mm -hmm. just in those kinds of things. But whatever the challenges might be in your spot, you have to kind of think about how am I going to take care of these dogs? What's this dog room going to look right. like? If there was a problem, how would I evacuate them? Where would they go? Are the smoke detectors hooked in there? All of that kind of a thing. A lot of people will use an attached garage, which can be a wonderful beginning kennel as far yep. as that. You can do a lot with that. The biggest thing that I think makes the most difference if you make your kennel where you want to be, if you make it fun, make it nice, right. put your flat screen in your grooming room, right. and it becomes a man cave. Or then a it's a man shed. cave or a she shed. Exactly. Don't think of it as a dog kennel. Think of it as a she shed with dogs. <laughs> there you go. Where you spend your time is where you're going to do your best work. Yep. And that's where your dogs are. Now, like for me, with my dogs, I do very little crating. Mm -hmm. Almost all of my dogs have access to outside most of the time. Right. We don't do a lot of turning in and out. We do some, right. and we do some seasonally where we have some dogs that aren't smart enough to know. Right. 
you're 10 years old, you can't be out when it's 100 degrees, even though you might think you can. Kennel building I had in Nebraska, we had a particular type of dog door that I hated. It made more noise pollution than the dogs barking. So talk to me about what is your favorite dog door for indoor-outdoor runs? I like the aluminum dog doors. And what I do with mine is I take those furniture coasters, those felt round furniture coasters, mm. and I put them on the lip of the door. I love that. So it's kind of like a silencer because I know what you're talking about. The cat walks down, everyone goes out there and you think it's not like a cat one. Oh my God. And I have wire hair pointers, right? So they're going in and out at Mach 10. 28,000 times and barking at the feral barn cat. I'm like, I'm surprised the neighbors didn't just blow us up with a neutron bomb. I have seen the plexiglass dog doors and the plexiglass dog doors, which are very attractive. But if you have natural surface runs or if you have where they're concrete that you're going to hose, they can be a little labor intensive to keep clean looking. Yes. They can get a little bit spooky. But I've also done the guillotine doors, the guillotine doors for borders, and I like the guillotine doors for show dogs because those are dogs that are being turned in and out. Right. But if you're going to have a door that is going to have a free access, then they're going to have to have something that they can come and go at will. Right. Which, if you can set your dogs up where they can come and go at will, I think that makes for a happier, healthier dog. Uh, adjusted dog right but if you do need cage if you're going to crate your dogs use built-in crates that you can finish out nicely where you're not going to be getting hair and debris behind that in the wall yeah you'll be very glad of that the more finished out you can go as far as units that you can have Mm -hmm. where you can put a little bit of molding and stuff together because i don't care how clean you keep it it's never as clean as you think it is oh it's always grosser than you want it to be (laughs) And so if you can make it where you won't have the dust bunnies and that kind of stuff, they can be units like that. Yeah, those are pretty nice. Those are nice. And flooring, everybody has an opinion on this. Concrete, of course, is what most places require. Anytime you have a kennel permit, they want you to have concrete because it's the most sanitizable. I know that I encountered problems when I had concrete with dogs that had joint issues and found that for my outdoor covered runs here, I really am preferring the gravel. And it's a pain in the butt to clean, but talk about your thoughts on that. I've got a couple of them on that. On the inside of your kennel, and this is going to be something that you're going to have to really look long and hard. If you're going to do a dog room, Mm -hmm. I would strongly suggest that you do a dry room. Right. Where you're not going to be doing any hosing. Right. Where you're going to mop and clean and that kind of a thing where you're not going to be like taking a hose going on in there. Right. Because your ventilation needs to be up by 60% if you're going to be doing water washdowns. Yep. That's right off the top. I really like in my puppy room, I have vinyl plank. Vinyl plank is very nice. Mm -hmm. I have ceramic tile, vinyl plank, any of that stuff like that is very nice to be on the inside and cleans nicely. And of course, just whatever bedding you want. One other thing that if you want to really be nice to yourself, a separate washer and dryer 
for your kennel laundry? Yes. I finally have the plumbing ready for it in my dog building. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm living for the day that I can actually get this accomplished. I've been living for that day for a while now. So. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice. Yep. And if you have any kind of a wash down where you can run that washer into it, yep. it's a good way to kind of move it on along. Yep. But that's really nice. My outside runs, I have three different surfaces that we work with. And I have concrete runs, which they look nice. They are the most effort to clean, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like, because you have to hose them and you have to bleach them. And they are a little bit, depending as to the type of coat your dogs have and how you're going to keep them. Anything with a drop coat or a coat that can pick up staining is not going to be a show dog on a concrete run very well. Right. My favorite that I use for my show dogs is I use paver stones. I have used those before. Those are nice. How do you keep them from shifting? That was the problem that I encountered. That is all in your base. So if you put in a nice sand base, Mm. put in a nice four inches of sand base, and Mm -hmm. then go ahead and set the stones into that, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice. And then we also corner the ends with concrete, just on the ends. Interesting. Okay. It really keeps your shape nice, but those dry instantly. Yes. And you don't get the pooling of the urine and the dogs don't run through it. So they very rarely stay like all of our show dogs, they go out on pavers and I don't have to bleach them on that. Right. You know what I mean? They will stay dry enough and it cleans nicely with your hosing off. You don't have to have a drain per se. Right. If you do a scoop and wash, you don't have kennel drains for that. Right. On concrete, you have to have drain. Oh, yeah. So I really do like the pavers. They're not inordinately expensive. And if this is something that's temporary or you want to change in the future, those pavers, they can be also a patio later on. It's not a place you tend to stay forever. Right. You can set your runs on them. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of a nice, not as big a commitment. Mm. Gravel, of course, is the most wonderful natural service. Right. And it's nice to clean. The big thing with your gravel is you don't want your gravel to go all the way up to your building. Right. If your gravel goes all the way to your building, your building is going to be very dirty. Right. So you want a concrete or block pad at least three to four feet away from your building. Mm-hmm. If you have gravel run with your building and dogs are going in and out, your building's going to be really, really dusty and you're going to have a really hard time. Yeah. The other thing that I really like about this particular, over the years, you have X number of different facilities in X number of different places. This particular time I did lime under the gravel and so did a good base and then lime and then the gravel and a thick gravel layer. And I have liked that very well for odor and all of that. Oh, fantastic. The other thing that's nice with gravel, especially roots that are capable of digging, yes. is you can take a trencher. Like for my dogs, some of my runs, I use four by 16 cattle panels, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which are pretty non-climbable. I mean, I've got a couple of the flying Walendas that can climb a little bit on them, but <laughs> I'll go ahead and we'll run a trencher, put a six inch trench in and drop it and then gravel it in. And you have no need of bottom rail then. Right. And that really does help a lot. Yeah. You know, but the thing with your gravel, your gravel needs to be exposed to the sun and the rain to keep your dust down. Mm -hmm. Gravel that's covered with a cover cover is smell. Yeah. And it's going to be very dusty. 
Yeah. You know, it's worked really well that I have this particular setup. I put in, you know, one of those tall aluminum metal, whatever RV covers, right? the height of an, and then just a little bit dropped a couple feet down on each side for shade. And so the runs are basically below the level of any solid structure, but they are protected from rain and sun. And it has really worked. I mean, you know, I've got a few things I would change and do differently if I had more time and more money and whatever, but that has been and relatively cost effective as well. A lot of those prefab parking and RV covers make mm-hmm. fantastic kennels. Yep. They really do. And you can incorporate, I even have one I use for a chicken coop actually. Yeah. And I did the false front went across mm-hmm. the front mm-hmm. where then you could have the runs off the back. They're inexpensive. One nice thing about if you have a little extra in your budget, if you'll do your spray foam insulation on your run covers right, on the underside, right? wow, that really does keep your runs cooler. And if you have a dog that, you know, flat-based dogs or dogs that, you know, temperature sensitive dogs, if you're in that area, yep. insulating those runs on the underside really does make a difference. Right. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, they're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. So talk to me about, you mentioned it sort of in passing earlier. I wanted to go back and kind of dwell on this. Isolation, whelping, grooming, feeding. So in your, say, 40 by 40 space, how are you thinking about that in terms of dividing that up? And again, 
Obviously, run size depends on dog breed. Your chins don't need as much room as my wire hairs. <laughs> exactly. So those are very, very good questions. So first, you want to go ahead and figure out and really be honest with yourself. How much of what are we going to do? How many adult animals are we going to keep? How many dogs do we have showing at any given time? Are we going to have customers coming in out of this kennel, or is this going to be a family and employees only type of thing? So you have your areas of, you know, you're talking your reception area, you know, you're talking about a grooming room. Grooming room's kind of a must where you have all your plumbing in one spot. But your whelping area needs to be able to be segregated from your general population dogs. Yeah. Where you have your stock, your breeding dogs, that needs to be separated from where you're having your mothers and your puppies. That's an absolute must. Yeah, because they don't need the stimulus, they don't need the viral exposure, you know, none of that. Yeah, mine is set up almost by accident because the way we've kind of transitioned, again, I've mentioned over the years, originally the extra building we put in was a shop for my partner. And when he started doing less woodworking, I said, okay, we're swapping spaces, right? So his woodworking stuff. Trading spaces. Yep, trading spaces. His woodworking stuff is in the old dog room and my dog room has moved to his giant shop, which is fabulous. And then next door to that, we had already built like a mother-in-law apartment kind of thing, right? Like a small space for guests or for kennel help to stay the night if they need to or whatever the case might be. And that basically has transitioned now to the puppy house. Yeah. It has a bedroom, it has a bathroom, it has a small, you know, like half-ass kitchen. So that has been really handy and it's right next door to, but completely separate from where the dogs are kenneled. So it makes it very nice. Right. Because those dogs there don't need to be any part of what's going on. And you need to have your puppy runs where puppies are learning to go in and out, but they're going out in general population exercise area. Right. Where you can start doing your house training and that stuff and kind of start setting your schedule. Oftentimes with my bitches and puppies, I'll use guillotine doors on those if I'm going to turn them in and out. And then when they get to a certain point, when the puppies are old enough, I can go ahead and just have the free will door. Right. But while they're at the point where they're not big enough or I'll usually put in like a board to the door mm-hmm. you know, at that point, because you don't want babies to be able to get out before they're ready or they're old enough to get back in. Right. Yeah. Tough to do with some of the different types of dog doors. Puppies can get, I had old dogs get hung up in them, actually, when I had my kennel in Nebraska. The particular doors we had were the aluminum around the outside and the plexiglass in the middle, and the whole door went one way and part of the door went the other way, and I had an old bitch get hung up badly, and nobody was home. I mean, it was ugly. So those are the kind of doors I will never have again. The guillotine doors are always mounted on the inside. Yeah. The spring-loaded doors are always mounted on the outside. Right. So if you want to put runs in with both, what we do is we'll go ahead and put like a clothespin clamp in the spring-loaded door when we're teaching puppies to go in and out. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Yeah. So that way you can kind of start. And one thing that this might be slightly off topic, when you are moving dogs from one part of the kennel to the other, take a moment. Don't do it when you're in a rush. And take the time to make sure, because if they're used to a dog going left, they may not know dog right. And you can lose a dog and stuff like that. Yeah. If your dogs are used to having a bucket inside or outside, 
make sure that you do your transition when you can sit and watch. Right. And not all of us have the luxury of, you know, multiple spaces, but if you do, that's the kind of stuff. And anytime you bring a visiting dog in, make sure they know how to use the facilities. (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. That acclimation period is everything. Yeah. And what will help is a lot of times is if you have a training buddy that can go with them. Right. Because, you know, watch one, do one, teach one. Stable ponies. I love stable ponies. Uh, there you go. Absolutely. Showing them the ropes. But yep. when you go ahead and decide, I'm going to go ahead and make the investment of a kennel, then you have to really give it some serious thought as to where you want it on the property how your access is going to be. Yes. How are you going to get dog food to and from it? What does that exactly look like? All of the things that you're going to need. Well, and let's talk a little bit about budget too, because I mean, we didn't really dive into that at all. And obviously it's so dependent on area and whatever, 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 but this isn't something you're going to do on a shoestring. Even the covered runs, we had the metal part professionally installed. So it's like anchored to the ground, isn't going to blow away kind of thing. It's big and it has electricity. And that was, I don't know, three grand 10 years ago. So that kind of stuff we need to think about. Well, so everything you're going to do is going to have a price tag on it. And as far as those kind of things, so it's like, if you can get closer into your water and power utilities, well, obviously that's going to save you substantially. I would almost always tell anybody Build your kennel in such a way that you can add on to it as needed. Yes. Have your plan where then like if you need to add on to it more, nothing is cheap, but there are ways if you're like Jane and you're a power shopper, you can really beat the curve. There are lots of things you can go on Craigslist and your local marketplace ads. Facebook marketplace. Yes. 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 You can find used stuff that might not exactly have been for a camp. People buy those portable buildings for whatever reason, and they'll sell them for a fraction of the price. I had, at one point, all of my kennel runs were Craigslist finds because I was poor. You know, I just went through a divorce. I didn't have any money. Yeah. You know. There's nothing wrong with that. And you can find some really awesome deals on yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you're a good shop, I mean... We found five sets of shoreline cages and from a PetSmart that was closing down. Mm. And I mean, we got three high shoreline cages and I think we paid less than $500 per unit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? And so it was crazy. You can find those deals if you look. Yeah, absolutely. Especially portable buildings and all that. I wonder if somebody had a concrete slab and they had set it straight onto the slab. Paid 57 Chevy Blue, and they had covered areas, had a kitchen and a bathroom in it. And it was a very, very cute kennel. And I mean, and they mulled all the work themselves, but I mean, it wasn't an extremely expensive. It doesn't have to be a veterinarian clinic. It can just be cute. I mean, it just has to be comfortable for your dogs in some place that you don't mind being. You know, that's the big thing. Something easy to clean, easy to take care of your dogs, and the rest will kind of fall in place. Absolutely. All right. Well, Dale, thank you so much. I appreciate your time on a lovely Saturday afternoon in July in Houston. I can't even imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, 
Nature swamp cooler. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Yeah, I think that this is some good pointers for people. And there's lots of good Facebook pages on there, too, about kennels and facilities. There's a couple different websites that I've seen that are really good, like plans, you know, like full on construction plans for building kennels. So we'll provide some of that. Some wonderful things. And you send me some pictures of your cute little kennel because I loved it. It was adorable. Oh, we had so much fun with that. It's great. Fabulous. It's great. It really was. Fabulous. All right. Well, thanks so much, Laura. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Dale. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.